Well, good morning, church. How are you feeling today? That was an awesome time of worship. Hopefully you're able to express to God how you feel about him. He is, what a powerful name it is. Wow, what an incredible song there. Hey, I'm Danny. If you're a first time guest with us here today, thank you for accepting someone's invitation. Uh, thanks for coming into our home. And we hopefully, uh, hopefully you, you feel at home and welcome so far. And uh, someone loved you enough to invite you to our service. They want you to be caught up in what God is doing here at Emmanuel in their life. And they're hoping the same thing that will, ha- will happen to you. So if you're watching uh, for the first time online, can we give it up for our online audience? Welcome to everyone watching online. Also, welcome our Vanta campus, our, our, our Franklin campus, watching live as well right now. So excited to be with everyone today. We're in a series right now called Unshakable, Unshakable. And really, it's a simple series. We've been asking this question, is it possible to stay strong when things go wrong in your life? And if so, how? How do we stay strong when things go wrong? Because things will go wrong in our lives. Yes, things will go wrong. We will have trials. We will have tribulations. Things will... Thankfully, not all the time go wrong, but from time to time, there's periods, there's seasons where we will go through struggles, we will go through difficulties. And it's very difficult sometimes to keep strong or to stay steady or to live an unshakable life. And so all we've done in this series is kind of try to attack that question. Week one, we talked about doing the right thing and how doing the right thing consistently over time helps you to live an unshakable life. Week number two, I, I was totally blessed by that myself, entrusting your life to God, placing your life in God's hands to live an unshakable life. Hopefully that was an encouragement to you. And then last week we talked about this concept of perspective, how the right perspective when it comes to difficulties or trials absolutely can help you to live an unshakable life. The perspective I gave you was to look through this lens of the trials are for your, say it with me, growth. All right, right, that was better than 915. Still not very good, but uh, the trials are for your growth, right? And so I challenge you this week just to kind of look through that lens when it comes to your difficulties, whatever you're going through, your hardships, tribulations, trials, and understand that God is building you up internally and he's also building you up externally. And so if you missed that last week, go back and catch it. I think it'll be a real blessing to you. Uh, So today I want to dive in super quick. Uh, Hopefully you're not too discouraged. How many of you had your brackets busted because of Virginia? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. You know what the answer to that is? Just to overcome that whole heartache and depression and all that goes with that. Just don't fill out a bracket and you don't have to deal with any of the pain. So that's how I, that's how I do it. But anyway, so let's dive in really quick. I want to encourage you today, uh, those of you NCA fans, real quick. Number one, or number four, actually, fourth principle, lean into friends. Lean into friends. Fourth principle, how do you live an unshakable life? Lean into, what is friendship? Friendship. It's, it's kind of confusing these days. Uh, in, our, in our social media, our new social media world where you can have 2,000 Facebook friends, right? Are they really friends? Are they though? How many of your followers on Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat are really, they really care about you? Like what is friendship? I feel like friendship has been redefined. But when you look into the Bible, true friendship is, it goes beyond association. It's an interpersonal bond between two people that goes beyond knowing a person's name or, or just maybe where they work, okay? It's, it, friendship is deeper. Friendship involves commitment, it involves loyalty, it involves faithfulness, it involves things like compassion and empathy. It even involves things like love. Not love in the romantic sense, but love in the sense that I will do for you what is best for you and you will do for me what is best for me. 
And that may be something encouraging. It may be something, uh, it may be a blessing. It may be something uplifting. It also may be a rebuke, right? Because sometimes we need a friend to step up and say, time out, you're being a jerk. Yes? <laughs> like, I've had to call people sometimes and say, time out. You know, you can't divorce her. Like, you said, till death do us part, you're not getting a divorce. I've, call, I've made that phone call before. Anybody else? Like, that's what a friend does. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's accountable. But that's what love looks like biblical friendship. You step up and you do what is best for somebody else. Why are we talking about friendship? How does friendship help us to live an unshakable life? How does it help us to stay strong when things go wrong? Look at Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves sometimes. Is that what it says? No, it says a friend is going to love you. A friend is going to do what's best for you. How often? at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Now, sometimes brothers and sisters create adversity, yes? Anybody ever lived through that? Somebody like, right now. But God says, I'm going to give you some siblings. I'm going to give you some friends because there will be times of adversity. And in the times of adversity, you're going to need someone to lean into for what? For strength so you can make it through. Sometimes it's a family member. Sometimes it's a best friend. Simon Sinek is a great author, speaker. He has written a couple of books, Leaders Eat Last, Start With Why. You can look him up on YouTube. He's got some great stuff. He said this about friendship. Friendship is grounded in a feeling that you know exactly who will be there for you when you need something, no matter what or when. You've heard it said probably a friend is somebody that's walking in when everybody else is walking out. Yes, you've heard that before? Now, when you think about friendship through that lens, that a friend loves at all times, they're going to be there no matter what, through thick or thin, you have to sit back and you probably are sitting there right now thinking, well, if that's what friendship is, I don't have many friends. Like, there's not many people on Facebook that are going to be there for me in my time of need. I'm convinced that many people today go to bed lonely, longing for a friend, Longing for someone to hear what's going on in their life. Longing for someone to empathize and understand. Longing for someone to bring some help or assistance. In fact, there was a Harris poll done recently on 2,000 Americans that showed that 72% of Americans struggle with loneliness in their life. And a third, that, I mean, think about that. I mean, that's almost a third of this room here. And a third of Banton, a third of Franklin, right? A third of the audience, or three-fourths of the audience, excuse me, three-fourths of the audience today goes to bed lonely. And a third of those people said it's a weekly occurrence. And it's amazing with all the people connected on social media and, 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 and Facebook. And all, we still long for friendship. In your notes there, if you're taking notes, I hope you do. It's exactly this lack of friendship that leaves us vulnerable when things go wrong. I don't think many of us have a friend the way that we defined it. Or maybe if we have one, we don't have two. Or maybe if we have two, we don't have three. We're incredibly lucky if we have three or four people in our life that will be the type of friend that I just described. And that leaves us vulnerable when things go wrong. A couple years ago, Tom Rath wrote a book called Vital Friends. It actually came from a body of research that he was charged to do by the organization he worked for. Some of you will remember it, or you'll know what it is, the Gallup organization in front of Gallup polls, yes? Tom was working for the Gallup organization, and they said, hey, we want you to go into some of the major cities, and we want you to answer this one question. Why do some people come out of homelessness, and other people stay stuck in homelessness decade after decade after decade? And he thought the answer was simple. He thought the answer is probably what you think the answer is, drugs and alcohol. 
That drugs and alcohol, I mean, this is kind of a waste of time. I know what I'm going to find. It's drugs and alcohol. That's why people can't get a job. That's why they're homeless. They can't pay their rent, whatever, whatever, whatever. But as he did his research, and again, it developed into a book. This is what he found. Fascinating. He said this. In most cases, the relationship with the bottle or the needle was predicated by the collapse of a close relationship with a friend or a loved one. Interesting. Before someone turned to the drugs, turned to the alcohol, there was a collapse of a friendship. Listen to what he says. The men and women who remained homeless for decades had something in common, a lack of healthy friendships. They were more friendshipless than anything else. He would go on to say, being without a home was just the most obvious and visible part of their plight. Wow. Incredible. Think about that. Why some people stay stuck in homelessness because they don't have someone in their life that expects them to rise above it. In fact, the title of that chapter was called, Who Expects You to Be Somebody? You know, pe- people are built this way. We always rise to the expectations of, of, of the people closest to us, or at least we try. And when you suddenly have a loss of some really good friends and no one is saying, hey, I expect you to you know, be responsible. I expect you to provide for your kids. I expect you to stay faithful to that spouse. I expect you to keep that job. I, when, when there's no one in our lives that expect us to be someone, it's easy for us to just kind of say, well, if they don't care, I don't care. And before you know it, you're homeless. He would go on to make the strong connection between friends and physical, our physical health. He cites a study done in 2001 at at the Duke University Medical Center. Over a four-year span, people in the isolated group, people with fewer than four friends, were more than twice as likely to die from heart disease. You better get you some friends, (laughs) some good friends. The conclusion is in his research, he said this, lonely people suffer psychologically and physically. The absence of high-quality friendships is bad for health, spirits, productivity, and longevity. How important are great friends to living an unshakable life? I would say they're absolutely vital. And this is without looking into the Bible at all. I mean, we looked at Proverbs 17, 17, and a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for diversity, but this this, this is just research outside of the Bible. Like, we are designed to need people in our lives to live an unshakable life. And then you open open up the Bible, right, in the first couple of chapters of Genesis. You know, you see God creates Adam and he creates the animals. And how many of you animal lovers out there? Yeah, dogs and cats, other things, creepy, crawly things, maybe some pet rat. They have a pet rat? It's weird, man. Apparently they make good tests, but still weird, you know what I mean? God makes the animals, and, and, and you know, I have a dog, and I didn't grow up with a dog, but we have a dog now, our family has a little mini schnauzer, and, and, and it's un- he's unbelievable. Like, he's definitely, a, he's definitely a sinner, there's no doubt. <laughs> like, he knows right from wrong, and he still chooses, he, he's tempted, and he, he cannot resist temptation, and he falls. So I pray for him, but anyway, there's, there's a... <laughs> Not sure how that works with Jesus and the cross and dogs. I'm not sure, but we'll get into that later. But on the flip side of that, I also, I also, sense, I also sense God in him. Not that God is in him, but I sense, I sense almost the image of God in him. Because every time I come home, every day when I come home from work, it's like he's never seen me before. 
He is so happy. He is so excited. He's at the door. He's yipping and yapping and moving and wiggling. And if he doesn't have a tail, but if he had a tail, it'd be going crazy. You know what I'm talking about? His little nub is moving. It's like, dude, you just saw me this morning. Like, what happened? He's like, oh, he's, he's down there and he's licking and he's licking and I can't resist it. So I get down there. I let him lick my face sometimes, you know, bad breath and all. I know I shouldn't, but how can you resist? The love, the unconditional love of an animal is unbelievable. Yes or no? I don't, now, I, I don't think you can get that from a cat. So <laughs> I've seen the videos. You can send them to me. I'm, I'm, I'm evolving, okay? But here's the deal in Genesis. In Genesis, God creates all these animals. It wasn't just dogs, all these animals. And none of them were enough for him. So in Genesis chapter 2, we read this. It is not good that man should have a dog alone. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much what it says. I mean, it doesn't say that, but it says that. Because he had some animals. He had some sweet animals, right? But they weren't enough for him. It's not good that man should be alone. So I'm going to make him a helper fit for him. He made Eve. See, God created us. To, to need another human being to go through this life. We weren't created to go through this life alone. So how exactly do, do, do friends, and this isn't a marriage talk, but, but, a, but a spouse can be one of those best friends. She, she, my wife is sure my best friend in this life. Why exactly does your best friend bring stability to your life? Three reasons in your notes, and then we'll, be, we'll wrap this puppy up. Number one, a friend brings practical support into your life. That's what they do. When things go wrong, when you get the diagnosis, the financial setback, the job loss, the, the chronic pain, whatever the, whatever the tribulation is in your life, whatever the relationship breakup, whatever it is, the relapse, talked to somebody last night, they just got a, a news again that the cancer has come back, they have a new lump, you know, this is, these things happen, right? The, the, the friend comes in and they give practical support. What do, what do I mean by that? I'm talking about like right now, immediate help. Like what do you need, money? They, give, they help with some money. You need a babysitter? They help with the babysitter. Like, wh- like what do you, do you need information? Sometimes we get wrecked by, uh, by a trial or tribulation and we can't think straight. And so a friend comes along and they, they go on the internet or they call somebody and they get the information that we need to keep our heads above water. And they bring the information, they bring the money, or they, they, they give you a ride to your job because you lost the car, or you don't have, right? Practical help. Listen to Ecclesiastes chapter four. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, and we will fall, right? It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. The other person can reach out and say with me, they can help. How? Practically speaking. With whatever help that you need in your life. But watch this. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And that's exactly what Tom Rath found in his research with homeless people. Woe to the person who falls and trips up and there's no one in their life to say, hey, I expect you to rise above this. And they spiral down and their life goes out of control. Wow. Practical help. That's what a friend does in our lives. That's how they bring stability, and that's how they help to create an unshakable life when things go wrong in our life. Number two is emotional support. There's practical support, there's emotional support. What do I mean by that? (laughs) I mean encouragement. I mean hope. Hey, we're going to make it through this. This is going to be okay, right? 
to bring courage and hope and inspiration to rise above the discouragement, to rise above the sadness, to rise above the melancholy, to rise above the depression. That's what a good friend does in your life. I love what Raf says in his book. He says, our friends essentially serve as, watch this, a buffer during life challenges. Like right in the middle of the pain, when things hit the fan, a friend comes in and makes it a little bit easier emotionally. Watch this, watch. He says, when a tragic event occurs, a close friend becomes, oh, I love it, a comfort and a what? Say it with me. A refuge, a safe place, a safe haven where I can go and be protected from the pain and the hurt. These two words, comfort and refuge, are are used to describe who in the book of Psalms? God. Oh, I encourage you to read the book of Psalms. God is our comfort. God is our refuge. God is our strength. He's our strong tower. He's our fortress. He's our place of safety. And guess what? Sometimes he uses another human being to come into our life and say, it's going to be okay. I got you. Don't you need that? Don't I need that? In fact, isn't it true that that there's been a time in your life where there was a low point and a tragedy hit and the people you thought that you could trust, the people you thought you can lean into were not there and it was a deep wound in your soul, yes or no? Isn't that why some marriages have failed? Isn't that why some friendships have failed? Because in your greatest time of need, your friend wasn't there to support you. So painful. See, why? Because we need emotional support. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 11 says this, likewise two people lying together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? Obviously Solomon's talking about two people coming together physically to take a nap or something like that. Now we don't do that today, right? Unless you're married, that's what I would encourage, right? Unless you're Joey or Ross, remember the episode, the best nap ever? You remember that? (laughs) That was a weird episode of Friends. Some of you are going to need to go home and watch that. No, you don't. You really don't need to watch it, but... He's not talking about a physical nap here, okay? But the principle can be applied emotionally. Your physical presence can bring emotional warmth in a time of trial for a friend. What am I talking about? I'm talking about just sometimes being there, not even saying anything, just sitting down with a friend in the midst of their trial. Just being there provides the emotional support. You don't even have to say anything sometimes because the pain is so thick and there's really nothing you can say. This is especially true in times where a friend loses a loved one, or you lose a loved one. You don't need people to talk or tell you things or say anything, you just need them to physically be present. Why? For emotional support. And those of you who have lost loved ones and you've had people sit by you, sit next to you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know how much that helped you get through your difficult time. And sometimes it's listening. Not just physical presence, but also, man, tell me what's going on. Like, wow, that must have been hard. And oh, just, just a set of ears. Just because sometimes people process their pain by talking, yes or no. Some of you are like that, right? And they need to talk and, and share, and, and they don't need a perspective, and they don't need your coaching, and they don't need your insight, and they don't need a Bible verse. They just need you to listen, yes? And then, and then sometimes the emotional support comes through perspective. And you got to use your discernment with this. You can't just start spouting off, right? I don't like it when people spout off to me and start quoting this and that. I want them to hear my heart first when I'm in my pain before they give me some coaching. And then after they've done that, then I'm ready to receive what they have to say. Then I'm ready to receive a little perspective. 
Because I feel it's, it's like when, when someone listens to your soul, it's like emotional oxygen, is it not? You can kind of breathe like, oh, somebody gets me. And then we're open to advice or perspective. And oh, sometimes that's all we need is to hear a little bit of perspective. Man, when I went through that this one time, here's what God did in my life, and this is what God might be doing in your life, and you need to hang in there, and here's what God might be wanting to teach you. Isn't that what we did last week if you were here? I just gave you perspective. And that's what a great friend will do. And what does it do? It provides emotional support, gives you that courage, gives you that inspiration, and gives you that hope to keep going and put one foot in front of the other when things hit the fan in your life. So there's practical support. Then there's also emotional support. Let's talk about spiritual support. Oh, this is, this is, this is what a great friend does. A great friend provides spiritual support. Listen, the person you need more than anything else is God. So a great friend will come into your life and get your eyes and get your heart and get your mind and your will and, and your emotions focused back on God, your refuge, your fortress, your strong tower. That's what a great friend will do. Great story in the Bible about Saul and David and Jonathan. Saul is the king of Israel. God taps David on the shoulder and says, hey, you're going to replace Saul. He's not my man. You're my guy. Saul finds out about this, tries to kill David. Twice he threw his javelin at David, almost nailing him, pinning him to the wall. David goes out on the run. His life is in shambles. He's running for his life. He needs a friend. Jonathan comes on the scene. Jonathan, the son of Saul, next in line for the throne, sacrifices his position in the kingdom because he knows that God has chosen David to be king. And so he goes to his friend David. He loves David. He wants to do what is best as David. He's even willing to give up his rights to the throne for David. 1 Samuel chapter 23. Jonathan went to find David, and what did he do? He encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. You see what great friends do? A great friend will get your mind and heart back where it needs to be on God. They will strengthen you in your faith when things hit the fan. How exactly do they do this? Watch what he does. Watch what Jonathan says to David. He says, hey, bud, listen, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. My dad, he's not going to find you. I know he's hunting you down. I know he threw his javelin at you. I know he's in a jealous rage right now and he wants to murder you. He's not going to get you. Isn't it true? Isn't it true that when things go wrong in our lives, (laughs) I know this is true because it happens to me. When things go wrong in our lives, our mind Starts to, starts to go wild. Like something bad has happened, right? And maybe it's a diagnosis or job loss or, or, or a rejection. Or I don't know what it is, a loss of some sort, a financial setback. And then the thing happened. And then our brain starts to go, well, then this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. And then we start to believe in certain scenarios that haven't even taken place yet. Am I the only one? Yes or no, right? And then what's the result of all of that mental madness, right? Well, fear comes in because now we're afraid of this mental scenario we've created in our head that hasn't even taken place. And, and, and now we're afraid and we're dominated by fear. You know what a great friend does? A great friend comes in and he sees all this happening <laughs> and says, oh, time out, time out, time out. You are starting to connect dots in ways they shouldn't be connected. Like you are creating, like my dad is not going to find you. I know you think he is because remember he threw the javelin and he said so and he wants to kill you and he is in fact jealous. He's not going to find you. Stop creating stories in your mind and believing them to be true because it's creating all kinds of fear in your life. 
And so a great friend will come in and he'll, he'll, he'll point out, she'll point out the lies and the stories you've been telling yourself that have been causing fear and a great friend will eliminate those. That powerful and strengthen us in our faith in God. But it doesn't stop there. Look what Jonathan says next. He says, hey, David, come on. You are going to be the king of Israel and I will be next to you. My dad knows all about it. <laughs> he knows that this is the plan. What is, what is Jonathan doing for David here? He's reminding David of what God has said about David. He's calling a timeout. He's saying, hey, bud, you got to remember what God has told you through the prophet Samuel. He said you're going to be the next king. Isn't it true that when we go through difficulty, when we go through hardship and trials and tribulations, we tend to forget what God has said about us, yes or no? Am I crazy? Am I the only one? Like, we forget that we're made in his image, and we forget that he's got a plan for our life. We forget that we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We forget that we're fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. Like, our brain just, like, we lose sight of all the truth that God has said about us. You know what a good friend does? A good friend will come in and say, time out, you have forgotten what God has said about your life. You have forgotten the plans that he has for your life. Remember, you are chosen by him. Remember, you are his child. Remember, you are made in his image. That is what a great friend does. And then all of a sudden you're going, oh, you're right. Oh, man, what was I thinking? God is so good. God has a plan for my life. Yes, in the midst of all this difficulty, Saul's not going to get me. And I will, in fact, be the next king. Wow, practical support, emotional support, and spiritual support. That is what a good friend does. Listen to this quick story. True story, family in our church. Their names are Brandon and Whitney Roberts. Little guy Brecken right there. A little over a year ago, Brandon writes, we decided to join a small group at Emmanuel. Our initial response or reason was to get connected into the church and meet some great people. Little did we know this decision would become vital to our practical, emotional, and spiritual needs. Our son Brecken was born four months ago. As far as we knew, the pregnancy was normal, Whitney was healthy, and had no complications during the pregnancy. We were blessed with a beautiful baby boy on November 3rd, 2017. Listen, within 24 hours, we were on our way to Riley because Brecken was showing signs of low muscle tone. We had no idea why, or what this could mean. A few days later, we were informed that Brecken, was, uh, Brecken has a rare and serious genetic condition called spinal muscular atrophy type one. Nothing puts your life into perspective like being told that this condition is the number one genetic cause of death in infants, and that most, most babies with SMA type one do not make it past six to 12 months without treatment. Brecken was placed on oxygen, and they inserted a feeding tube into his nose. We were told that he would probably never walk and that eating and breathing without assistance was not promising. You imagine that, brand new family, brand new baby. He's never gonna walk, never gonna be able to eat by himself. We were broken and completely blindsided. That decision, the decision we made just a year ago to join a small group was now our lifeline. Having a close group of God-centered friends during this time was absolutely essential. Not only did they provide practical needs for us like food and gas money, but they also were there for emotional support. Having an outlet to discuss our fears, our angers, our anxiety kept us going. But most importantly, they played a vital role in shaping our spiritual lives over the past year. 
through our small group discussions a week before Brecken was born, we had made an action step to memorize a Bible verse. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. This is what it says. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. I can't tell you how many times we said that verse out loud to each other over the next few weeks. That simple action step to memorize a verse made such a massive difference in our time of need. Joining a small group has changed our lives. We now have an amazing group of God-centered friends. They have helped to shape us individually. They've helped to shape our marriage. They've helped to shape us spiritually. It is one of the most important decisions we've ever made. Had God not pushed us to join a small group, we would not have had the foundation to lean on in our greatest time of need. And although we still have challenges and obstacles to overcome, Brecken is doing much better. Here's a little picture of the guy. He's got a really good taste in preachers. You see that there. You know what I'm saying? He knows a good word when he hears it. He is off of his oxygen right now and he's eating all of his food by mouth. He constantly has a smile on his face. He has loved watching the services online since his birth and is happy to be attending his first service this weekend at Emmanuel. We love our church and we love our small group. Here's a picture of their small group right here. Isn't that awesome? Andy Stanley is a pastor in, in, uh, North, uh, in Atlanta at North Point Church. He said this, if you wait until you need a friend, you won't have a friend when you need one. I'm so glad that Brittany, Brittany uh, uh, Brandon and Whitney didn't wait. They got in a small group. That's why we're always talking about getting in a small group for practical support, emotional support, for spiritual support. Here's what I've been trying to say today. God has wired us up to need one another. You can resist it, you can fight it, you can deny it, or you can just admit it and say, God, I need, I need some people in my life. If you're a dude, if you're a, if you're a guy, you need other dudes in your life. You don't need other women in your life. Hello. And all the ladies said? Uh, yeah. I was talking to a dude the other day. He said, my best friend's a girl. I said, you are nuts. You were asking for trouble, dude. Don't share your emotional stuff and your problems with another girl. You don't do that stuff. That's just asking for trouble. On the flip side of that, if you're, if you're a lady, your best friend can't be a dude, okay? And all the dudes said, amen. Like, like let's avoid a fight here, you know? Let's avoid, some, let's avoid some beat downs, you know what I'm talking about? So the girls need the girls and the guys need the guys. But you were created to need other people in your life. So let me ask you a quick question. Who are your friends? Do you have people in your life that would provide practical and emotional and spiritual support? Who are they? You need at least three or four if you're going to live an unshakable life because you're going to go through it. There's going to be a relationship breakup. There's going to be a, a physical challenge. There's going to be something, an accident that takes place, a car accident, a diagnosis. There's going to be something that happens. Who, who, who are your friends? You say, man, I don't have any friends like that. I mean, I have some friends I can go out with on Friday night and have a few drinks. I'm not talking about those friends. Some of you actually need to fire some of those friends, okay? Because they're really of no help at all. They're making your life worse, keeping you out late. <laughs> some of you are those friends. You need to quit it. <laughs> you 
You need some folks in your life that are going to be like practical, emotional, and most of all, spiritual support. I have them in my life. I chose, I handpicked them. I'm not messing around. I'm, I'm being dead serious. I handpicked certain people in my life say, you're going to be my friend. You're going to be my friend. You're now I asked them and they agreed, but <laughs> some of them are here today. <laughs> Who are your friends? Some of you are like, I don't have any. Well, here, here's why you might not have any, because you're not that friend. That's, that's painful. I know that's hard to say. You don't have friends like that because you are not that friend. You're not ready to provide practical, emotional, and spiritual support to people in your life. Therefore, you don't have those people in your life. We always reap what we sow. And that, you agree with that? We always reap what we sow. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25 says this, the generous person will prosper. Those who refresh, say it with me, others, what will happen to them? They themselves will be what? With what? With what? Emotional, spiritual, and practical support. But you can't expect that from people if you're not giving that out. You with me? You always reap what you sow. If you don't have friends like that, it's because you're probably not that kind of friend. Now listen, I know I'm preaching another sermon here, and I'll, I'll pick it up some other time in the future, but I wanted you to get that as you leave here today, if you're saying, man, I don't, I don't think I have those friends. Be that friend. Provide that help. Practical, emotional, and spiritual. And you'll find over the long run that you'll have those friends in your life to live an unshakable life. Let me tell you about the friend that sticks closer than a brother, and that is true, Proverbs 18, 24. We have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You know who that is? That is Jesus Christ. Listen to what he said in John 15, 13. There is no greater, say it with me, love. No greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. People think Jesus was murdered. Jesus wasn't murdered. <laughs> Jesus laid his life down. He placed it down. He could have called down legions of angels to defeat the Romans and all the Jews that were trying to kill him. He laid his life down and then he took it back up in the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And we're about to celebrate that in two days or two weeks, sorry. <laughs> He laid it down and he took it back up. Now, why did he do that? Did he do that to start a religion called Christianity? Yes or no? You better say no. Did he do that so that you could join a church? No. Did he do that so we could build more buildings? No. He did that for one reason and one reason only, to make you his what? His friend. You want to know what Christianity is all about? It's all about friendship with God. It's all about you being in a relationship with God. And for some of you right now for the first time watching online, you're physically present here, something just switched in your mind. Oh, I thought it was about religion. That's why I'm not a Christian. Oh, I thought it was about church. I hate church. I don't like church. Oh, so that's why I'm not a Christian. Listen, there's a lot of churches I don't like either. <laughs> okay, can I say that as a pastor? Yes, I can. It's not about church. It's not about religion. Do I think you need to be part of our church? Yeah, I, th I do. I think it's awesome. I think it's great. I think great things are happening. But that's not why Jesus came to build a building or to set up a religion. He came to lay his life down. He took it back up in the resurrection so that you can be his friend. And for the first time, some of you are like, oh my gosh, I could get down with that. I, I, I can be in a friendship with God. Like I can be in a relationship with God. That's the offer on the table. Living in a relationship with God, he calls you his friend. You need to step into that right now. I stepped into it back in 1995, it changed my life. I didn't join a religion, I didn't join a church. I started a vibrant, real, authentic relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
You say, how do I do that? You, you reach out to him in faith and you put your confidence in him and you put your trust in him and you receive his gift of mercy and grace, his death on the cross and his resurrection to cover your sin, to remove the penalty of guilt and shame on your life and you begin a relationship with God right now that lasts for all eternity. If you feel strangely or oddly drawn into this moment right now, ask God. I felt it too. <laughs> when I was 17, I was like, whoa, what's this? It's God wooing you to himself, saying, I love you and I wanna be your friend. Will you step into this moment right now and pray a simple prayer? If you close your eyes and bow your head, if you feel led to. Talk to God, do business with God right now. Say this, Jesus, thank you for laying your life down and taking it back up so I could be your friend. Thank you for paying the price for my sin, for sacrificing your body, for spilling your blood so that I could be forgiven. I place my life in your hands. I trust you. Make me your friend today. And from this day forward, help me to follow you, and love you, obey you, and seek to become like you. It's in Christ's name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Can we give God glory today for what he's done? You know, in a, friendship, in a friendship, communication is absolutely vital, right? Friends talk, married, good married couples talk. God wants to talk to you. The primary way he does that is through the scriptures. We're about to celebrate communion here in a few moments. You don't want to miss that, okay? We're going to celebrate the broken body and the spilled blood of Christ here in just a moment. Before we do that, I want to make sure that everyone who prayed to receive Christ today online, there's a little spot there you can click, I accepted Christ. Put your address there. We'll send one of these in your mail. In, in the mail, Banta Franklin Greenwood. If you prayed to receive Christ today, there's tables in the back. We want to put one of these into your hands. I want you to begin reading that. Starting point is an environment, very simple environment, where if you have questions about faith, God, the Bible, Jesus, and you want to talk Talk about it with someone in a safe place at a pace that's good for you. Starting point is for you, whether you're a new Christian or you're not yet a Christian. Check that out as you go back there to the tables as well. One more time, guys. Can we give God praise? Amen. Now, here's the deal. Jesus laid his life down. It's a symbol. It's a way of simply saying he was nailed to the cross. Three days later, he rose again. We celebrate communion as Christ followers to declare that message that yes, Christ did indeed die on the cross. The bread represents his broken body. The juice represents his spilled blood. And when we receive communion, Jesus said, Paul said, do this in remembrance of me. We're remembering the, res the crucifixion and the resurrection. We're remembering that eternal life is found in Jesus Christ alone. So we're gonna, we're gonna receive communion here. There's buckets that are gonna be passed here in a few moments. If you are a Christ follower, if you have faith in Jesus, we wanna encourage you to participate. If you still have questions and you're not a Christ follower, uh, we would ask you just kind of observe and sit this one out. But if you pray to receive Christ today, we invite you to receive communion with us as a family today. So a little bit of coaching here quick. If you haven't done this before, you're gonna get these little pods here. There's two little layers on it. You pull the first tab up, you get the little wafer out like this. The second tab is for the juice. It's a little bit complicated. If you need some help, ask your neighbor, okay? They'll help you out. Uh, but you're adults, so you should probably be able to figure it out. Will you pray with me and then we'll receive communion. Jesus, thank you for breaking, allowing your body to be broken 
allowing your blood to be spilled. You were not murdered. No one took your life. You willingly laid it down. And you, in power, took it back so we could be your friends. Thank you for your broken body. Thank you for the spilled blood, the forgiveness of sins that it provides, the friendship with you that it provides through faith. As we receive communion today, may the message of grace and love go out to all the world. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.